0: users and programs, and welcome to episode number two of Cactus Flax Podcast. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering Elevator Action, which was released in 1983 by Taito. Elevator Action is a platform game. The object is to work your way from the top of the buildings down to the bottom floor and escape in your car while retrieving all of the secret documents hidden behind the red doors in the building while you kill as many enemy agents as you can and not get killed yourself. The game is controlled by a single four-way joystick with two buttons, one for jump and one for fire. The cabinet is a generic Taito-shaped cabinet, I guess you would say, with a brown logo, the brown uh, Taito logo printed on an orange background for the cabinet. You play agent 17, AKA codename auto. You use elevators and escalators to work your way down a building. You start on the 30th floor and work your way down to the first floor where you escape in your car. Now on each level, of the building, there are multiple doors. There are lots and lots of blue doors, but the red doors are the key. The red doors are the one that contain the secret documents. And there's a little spot, if you look carefully, a a few little wavy lines in front of each of the red doors. And if you go and stand on that and then press the joystick in the direction towards the red door, you can slip inside the door. Now, of course, each level is guarded with multiple spies that are out to kill you. In the first level, most of the time, the spies shoot at you from a standing position. So you can duck underneath their bullets and uh, shoot them in the kneecaps (laughs) during the process. uh, You can also jump over the bullets. You have a a pretty high uh, jumping arc. Uh, So you can shoot enemies or you can jump, and while you're jumping, your feet are out in front, and you can kick enemies, and that's actually worth more points, and that becomes a, a pretty good strategy, especially when you're on the elevators moving up and down, and agents will come towards the elevator and preparing to shoot you. You can actually jump towards them before the elevator hits the ground. You'll kind of jump into, uh, I guess, the, the floor above you, but With your feet extended like that, you will kick the agent and kill him. So, again, the goal is to get all the way down, clear the building, get all the documents in the building, uh, and then escape from which you will go to uh, the next building. (laughs) And uh, this repeats on and on uh, throughout the game. The first level is really easy to complete. The second level is... Fairly easy to complete, but things really start picking up around level three. That's when uh, you will be shot at from different heights. For example, um, you'll have maybe two agents, one uh, squatting down and one standing up. So you'll have bullets coming at you from uh, multiple heights. Uh, agents will very quickly come out of doors that are near you uh, and often shoot you (laughs) when you're least expecting. So uh, the game does ramp up in speed and difficulty. Definitely by uh, level three, I would say that level three separates the beginner players from the more advanced players. The graphics are Uh, I would say good for the age. Uh, This is definitely the era. I would compare this more to eight bit graphics versus 16 bit graphics. Uh, obviously the character, uh, uh, graphics are not as detailed as we'll see in later arcade games, uh, and it is presented from a two-dimensional, it's basically a cut, you know, like if, as if we were looking at the side of the building, so there's no three-dimensional type graphics here. The music is entertaining in the way that early uh, video game music often was, and it's catchy, the problem is there's not very much of it. It's pretty repetitive. So (laughs) if uh, you you play this game for any length of time, you will know this song, uh, you will hear this song in your head, and it is possible you will be haunted (laughs) by this song. Uh, There's also a lot of sound effects, and the sound effects uh, often give you uh, insight as to things that are going on in the game. So it's not just generic sounds. You may hear doors open and close. You can hear elevators. Uh, you can hear gunshots, things like that, that will all assist you uh, while you're playing the game. So as you, you tune into the sound effects, those are all things that can definitely, uh, help you play this game. This game uh, came out originally in the arcades. It was released for several other systems, um, but none at that exact time. It came out in the arcade in 1983. Uh it was released on the Commodore 64 in 86, the Amstrad CPC in 87, the FM7 in 86, uh, the MSX was in 85. It was released for the Nintendo, the original NES in 85 um, PC 88 and 86 and so on. So it was released in several systems, but, uh, more than that, newer versions of the games were released. Uh, the graphics were updated. Uh, there was a sequel called elevator action returns, which was also an arcade game, but was released for the Sega Saturn. Uh, and, uh, so some of the updated versions made their way to consoles. There's one called elevator action, old and new which came out for the game boy advanced, uh, and as newer consoles begin releasing emulated versions of classic games, uh, we've seen it released that way. It was uh, available for the Nintendo 3DS in 2014. Uh, it was released on the Wii in 2007 and the Wii U in 2014. Uh, it also came out for uh, windows in 2004. So there have been, uh, some, uh, Updated versions release. There was also a version released. It was a a incomplete version. It was never finished, but it was released for the Atari 2600 back in 2001. So my history with this game before purchasing it, uh, I was a fan of this game. I remember playing it as a kid. I think one of the local supermarkets had this cabinet. Uh, you know, of course, this was back in a time where every place, as I mentioned on the first episode had arcade games. So to say that you played, uh, you know, your favorite arcade game at the grocery store <laughs> didn't sound quite as odd as it might today. Uh, I think the game was a favorite of mine because I was such a huge fan of the movie Cloak and Dagger. And this kind of reminded me of that in the movie Cloak and Dagger, we have um, not the, the Actual gameplay, which always kind of reminded me of Robotron, but the cutscenes where we have a guy uh, who's sneaking around, he's going through an elevator and he's got this briefcase. And so that image, I think, is what reminded me of this game. Uh, And also, I didn't know that this was ever released for the Commodore 64, which was my uh, computer of choice growing up. So um, I think we're always kind of attracted to the games that we can't play at home or can't play any other way. So uh, without you know being able to play this on a home computer, it just made me always want to play it more when I saw this arcade game available out there in the public. This is the very first arcade game that I ever purchased on my own. Uh, I decided one day, I don't know what got me thinking about this, um, but I decided that it would be cool to own an arcade game. And so I had picked up the local newspaper and I was looking through and I found in the classified ads, someone selling elevator action. Now, this was not a case where I went looking for elevator action, but I just wanted to own an arcade game and elevator action happened to be, uh, one that was for sale at that time. And it was also a game, like I said, that I was familiar with, uh, and that I liked playing. So, uh, the purchase price was $150 and I called my buddy and my buddy, Jeff. And uh, of course, Jeff was, uh, my, he had a a Commodore computer. So he was my Commodore buddy. He was my partner in crime growing up. And he was also uh, one of my arcade buddies. Both of us love playing arcade games. So I called Jeff, uh, again, this is in 1994. So I would have been 20. Uh, possibly 21 years old. And $150 was a lot of money back then. I believe Uh, during this time, I was probably delivering pizza for a living and going to college. So money was pretty tight. And I called Jeff and I said, what do you think about owning an arcade game? Like, do you think that's a cool idea or whatever? And we talked about it. And Jeff said, if I bought it, he would pay half, <laughs> like he was going to be an investor with me. And we were both going to own this arcade game. I mean, it would be my machine, but, but he liked the idea so much that he was willing to pay half. So I said, that sounds good to me. So I contacted the guy, uh, who had the game and he said, uh, sure, come on out and look at it. And it was in a town that I had not been to before. It was probably, Mm, a 20 to 25 minute drive, uh, maybe even 30 minute drive away from my house. And I had a small Nissan pickup. This was a pickup that uh, a family friend of ours owned and my father purchased (laughs) the truck and then my car had died. So I basically inherited the truck because I needed a car to drive. So I had this Nissan, it had around 200,000 miles on it. And the guy gave me directions to his house. So I drove out to his house and he had a home arcade. This was in 1994. I had never seen or heard of anybody having a collection of arcade games in their house. Now I knew people who had one machine. I don't think I had ever met anyone who owned two machines in their house at that time. This guy probably had a dozen. He had converted his garage into a arcade I was completely blown away I just never heard of such a thing and so uh it was dark when I went and got this game and a storm was rolling in so uh I looked at the game it played and I didn't I didn't know anything about purchasing an arcade game or owning an arcade game and I definitely didn't know anything about transporting an arcade game so after I paid the guy he grabbed a dolly And we walked outside and there was my truck. So we, uh, he said, normally I like to transport them standing up, but you know, it was really just the the two of us and, uh, it just wasn't going to work out. So I said, let's just push it over and slide it into the back of the truck. So that's what we did. Then he asked me if I had any rope and I said, no. And he asked me if I had any tarps, uh, to wrap it up, you know, it might rain. And I said, no. And the guy looked at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) And truth be told, it's very possible uh, that I deserved that look that day. So without it being tied into the truck, without any tarps, without anything else, and after paying him, uh, I drove off. And so I drove the 30 minutes back the entire time I was watching the sky, uh, making sure there were no raindrops. And I came back to my house. Now, at the time, my wife and I had moved into a mobile home, a uh, a big trailer, and in front of the front door, I had these wooden steps. They were not attached to anything. They were literally just a set of wooden steps that you walked up into the front door. So what I did was I moved the steps when I got home, I backed my truck right up to the front door of the house, and then I got inside the bed of the truck and I stood the arcade game up and stood it up inside my front door. (laughs) So that is literally door to door delivery service. I did not own a dolly at the time, but I did own a skateboard. And so, uh, I, I wiggled the skateboard underneath the arcade cabinet. I scooted it around to where it was pointed, where I wanted to put the cabinet and I rolled it into the dining room. Now, again, this was a mobile home. So there wasn't a lot of extra space uh, to put things in the mobile home, but I had this plan. We had a small kitchen table and we had a big area uh, in the dining room that wasn't used. So I pushed the cabinet up into the corner. And my first thought was this looks a lot bigger in my dining room (laughs) than I thought it was going to. Uh, And it really stood out like a sore thumb. So Uh, before my wife got home, and by the way, I guess I should mention my wife had no idea I was going to be doing any of this. She didn't know I was going to go buy it and she surely didn't know I was going to put it in our dining room. (laughs) Uh, so I pushed it up into the corner and I put a potted plant on top of the arcade cabinet. I thought it gave it a little bit of a homey look and I don't know why this was my 20 year old brain, but I thought maybe she wouldn't notice. She did. (laughs) the minute she got home, uh, she said, I can't help but notice there's a giant arcade machine in our dining room. And I went, yeah, isn't it awesome? And uh, so we had a long talk. And basically it was decided that the machine could stay but that before purchasing any more machines, we should probably wait until we moved into a house. And that's probably a good decision. So uh, that was uh, uh, how I purchased my first arcade game, and and that was Elevator Action. The game's condition was pretty good. Uh, There was a little bit of fading on the artwork of the sign, but other than that, it was in really good condition. The monitor was really nice and bright. The speakers were great. Uh, the joystick and buttons were perfect. I never had to do any repairs on that machine, uh, the whole time that I owned it. Uh, and I kept that machine. Now, uh, as we go on through the different machines, uh, we're very shortly going to hear that I purchased a house. So I moved this machine to the house. Uh, and then we moved out of state. And so when I moved out of state, I knew that I was not going to be able to take all my machines with me. So, uh, I had to put all my machines up for sale and this was at a time when people were not buying or collecting arcade games. And so I believe that I got $100 for my elevator action machine. And again, this was a a cabinet that was in perfect condition. I mean, all, all things considered, I I wouldn't consider a little bit of fading on the side of the cabinet something to take away, uh you know, from the value. So, uh, but that's that's what I sold it for was uh one hundred dollars. Current value, uh, according to Exidy's uh, arcade price guide online, is between two and four hundred dollars. I don't think this is a lot of people's favorite game. Um, so it's not that collectible and it's not that valuable. I checked eBay and there are no uh, arcade cabinets either now or under completed listings for sale for elevator actions. Uh, but there are several PCBs for sale. Now, this is a, a early Taito. Uh, control board. So it's not JAMA compatible, but they do have JAMA adapters available for this. But I saw prices uh, in the $20 to $40 range for the PCB. Those are for untested. And as I will mention later on in the show, but I might as well tell you now in the arcade circles, untested means this doesn't work. I found that one out the hard way several times. Uh, When people tell you that something's untested, it's guaranteed not to work. And when they tell you it works, you've got a 50-50 shot. Uh, There are several that sold or are for sale right now between the $60 to $80 range. Uh, And on the higher end, those also come with JAMA adapters. So if you had a JAMA compatible cabinet, you could purchase this board uh, and put it in there. One question that I wrote down for myself uh, for towards the end of the episodes is would I buy this game again? Uh, And I don't know that I would. Uh, the, The biggest thing for me on whether or not I would purchase this game again is how well does it play in MAME? And this game plays perfectly in MAME. It's old enough where modern processors have no problem keeping up with it. Uh, the sound, everything like that is perfectly emulated in MAME. And we're talking about a game with one joystick and two buttons. So, uh, you know, emulating those controls on a home system. Now, one thing I will say is that if you play this with a keyboard, it can be kind of difficult because you really have to um, be quick when, it's, when you're ducking uh, and moving and standing up and turning and shooting. So personally, uh, I find it a lot easier with a actual joystick, but Uh, You know, if you're, if you're good with a keyboard, then maybe you can play it that way. My final thoughts about this machine. I don't know why more people don't like this game. This is definitely a game uh, that I liked and enjoyed, but uh, I also know, uh, especially from doing my Commodore uh, podcast, that a lot of the games that I have personal history with, I like, and a lot of the ones that I weren't exposed to uh when they were new back in the 1980s, I really don't care for as much. So I suspect part of my enjoyment of this game is the nostalgic factor. Um both because I played it when I was a kid and because it was the first cabinet uh that I owned. So uh you know it's definitely one I would recommend trying in MAME but uh, if, if it's not one that you played in youth, then it may not be one that you enjoy in the future. But I would definitely say at least challenge yourself to get to the third level. Uh, if you haven't made it to the third level, then you really haven't seen how the game ramps up in speed and difficulty. And for me, that's when it gets the most fun. So, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for a fun little platform game to try out, go ahead and give Elevator Action a try. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cactus Flax. You can find more episodes of Cactus Flax over at podcast.robohara.com. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email at robohara at RoboHara.com. find me on Twitter at Commodork, or follow this page on facebook.com forward slash Flax. You can also leave a voicemail on the Rob O'Hara podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Cactus Flax is a proud member of Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. To find this and other retro themed podcasts, visit throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening.